What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Kicks and Picks Podcast. Nick, Scotty, Coach Steve, we're back. The Champions League is back. Club football never left, but it's back. Um, who's not back? It's us, guys. Let's get it out of the way right now. Devastating week for the squad. Our unquestionably our worst week of the season. Three and seven. Game of the week. Unfortunately, the seven-week winning streak has come to an end. Still 13 and four on the year, but the vibes are surprisingly high. We're feeling good. We've been at this shit for like two days now, handicapping. We got excellent locks of the week. We're going to recap some of this Champions League and hit you right with those picks. How you guys feeling? I feel like Champions League heals all ills in this case because there's just so much to to bet on and get right back into the, the hot streak again. So I feel good. I think, Nick, last year you and I killed the Champions League, so yeah. I'm expecting that to continue this week or this this round. And then uh, I think stay tuned. We'll probably start having some uh, previews out for, for the quarterfinals. Definitely. Yeah, rough weekend last weekend. I mean, Union Berlin in, in the patron props did really well for me. And in, and my bet here, I actually ended up betting them draw no bet, even though I put the double chance on here as the lock. And and they pretty much salvaged my weekend. And um, yeah, Champions League, the, the patron props hit uh, two draw no bets, hit a money line. So uh, we stayed away from Milan Tottenham, but the other three games we hit, which feels good. So hopefully it gets us back in the, the groove before we head into the weekend and start hitting some more, more bets. I, we had a tough weekend last weekend. I mean, yeah. I can speak from my two losers personally. Brighton, the goalie, pretty much gifted a goal to Palace at the end that that killed the money line bet. Um, and then Roma too. They 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 really played better than the week before when they beat Empoli, and they just couldn't. The goalie made a couple good saves on Tammy, and and that was all she wrote. And it was one one final. So I, I I think my reads I felt pretty good about them. They just didn't they just didn't pan out. That's all you could ask for. I can't say I had good reads because I took. Not in a money line. They got fucking thrashed by Leicester. And I took Everton plus one and somehow Liverpool scored two goals for the first time in 2023. So some would say Liverpool were due. Yeah. Some have said that Liverpool were due. They are no longer due. They, they got their result. That was it. Felt good about that. Um, yeah, no, you, you nailed it though, Scotty. We we read the Champions League really well. We're, we're awesome as a group. I will say I personally, outside of obviously the props and stuff that we posted, I was trying to get back into the red card game, the yellow card game, the props did not have a solid week doing that. Um, posted some plays to Twitter. I think I went one and four on, on card props. So uh, one thing to know in leg one referees seem to leave their cards at home, let the guys play. Um, I also didn't realize Verratti, who's a fucking walking yellow card was already on like that. You know, if he got one more, he would have been suspended. So if I knew that I probably wouldn't uh, have put that play out yeah. into the universe. So shame on me. Hand up. That's all right. Pavard got enough cards for for the both of them. So yeah, we we hit the over in that game anyway. Um, but let's get right into it. Let's let's go into the Champions League. Um, if you guys have watched or haven't watched, uh, Tottenham and Milan was the first game, and there's no other way to say it. Tottenham stink. Scotty, I'll let you lead it off because you also said they stunk at the weekend. Yeah, it's it's getting bad for Tottenham. I mean, we've kind of said their their strength as a team is their offense. You look at the players that they have between Kane and Son, Richarlison, Kulisevsky, like now Arjuma. Like that's definitely where the the strength of the squad is, and uh, you know the midfield and defense was always okay, but you know pieced together. Um, but now it's it's kind of in disarray. I, I just saw that Tottenham haven't had a match where they've generated more than two xg since uh, October fifteenth. 
Ooh. which is a crazy stat considering all that they have in, in, in attack. So that's a concern. And then you add in the fact that, you know, their midfield is, is pretty much been decimated by injuries in the last week with um, Bentancourt being out for the season and um, Basuma now missing, I think, in the next eight, eight weeks, I think is what they said he's going to be out. So that's, you know, taking you almost through April at this point. So they're going to be hurting in midfield. Um, I think they have Saar and, and Hoiberg and um, Oliver Skip, which is not the, the best depth in the world, especially not when you're playing in the Champions League. But it's going to be up to Conte to piece it together. And I don't know. It, it It's a lot of adversity for a manager who has a contract expiring in June 30th uh, to kind of figure out. So I so, question whether it'll happen or not. Well, I want to come back to that because I know Coach has been the the Conte believer throughout all of this in, on the podcast. But, Coach, I want to get the Milan perspective because this was a game where, like, both teams stink, right? Milan was coming into yeah. this. I don't think they've won uh, this year. No, that, that's a lie, but they certainly haven't. No, they beat good. Torino. Uh, that's won right. That, well, that was yeah. one of my locks. That's true. That hit. Um, but outside of that game, I mean, they, they were in the worst run of form they've had in about three or four years. So what did they do right here? I didn't get to watch the match because it was during the workday, unfortunately. But when I saw they scored seven minutes in, I was I was shocked to get that goal notification. I had the notifications on. And, um, yeah, I mean, I thought Spurs would score a goal or two in this. I actually bet them over one and a half. I parlayed that in, in something in the PSG match with Bayern. And when they didn't score, I, I was really surprised. I mean, like Scotty said, that's the, supposed to be the strength of the team is the attack. Um, you've got th- four pretty good attackers on that team. Kane's been really quiet the last two matches now. Um I saw a tweet, no shots on target in his last two matches, um, which is shocking, shocking. Like He's a guy you would almost bet over a, a, a shot and a half, a two two shots plus, whatever the, the prop is, right? Um, so surprising. I, I thought going into this, Spurs, even though they haven't been in great form, kind of had Milan where they wanted them because Milan's offense hasn't been great. Their yeah. defense hasn't been great. And even though Spurs lost the weekend, they, they still scored. They didn't get shut out in that thrashing. I think it was 4-2 was the final, right, Scott? Or was a four one, yeah, four yeah, so, one Leicester City, yep, yeah. There's still you know they still got a goal here. I, I thought maybe you get at least a one one draw on the road or something like that after Milan scored, but to not score at all, very surprising, very troublesome for Tottenham. And and when you look at that Premier League table, and you see the Brighton's got two matches in hand and five points back, I'm starting to wonder if maybe Brighton can make the push for that fifth spot in the Europa League ahead of Spurs because they don't have the European commitment at least for another match. Um, possibly more if Spurs can get the result against Milan the second time around. And they've been playing better in the league, really. Um, very unfortunate for them not to get that win because Spurs would be in a, a lot more trouble in terms of looking over their shoulder. Um, but from a Milan perspective, it's got to be, you know, a huge like confidence boost to get a win like this against Spurs. Because if you asked me uh, two weeks ago, I would have said, no way, no way Milan has any yeah. chance in this, this, this tie. And so- now they are in the driver's seat. So there's my question for if does this win almost turn Milan's season around? And when I say turn it around, does it propel them to get through this um this tie, right? To to make it to the next round? Does it propel them to finish in the top four where they're in a pretty heated battle right now in Serie A? Yeah, very, very tough battle. Um we said that when they of, played Inter, right? We said like, does yeah. this gonna turn their season around? And then it didn't. So yeah. I don't know that this is what propels them forward. Uh, I definitely think it's a promising result when we were looking at their defense and how, how poor yeah. it was. Well, it, up to the we know they had matches. their goalie issues, right? The go, the backup goalie, Tata Rusanu, who can't seem to stop anything. Um, and then if you told me they were going to 
come into this match against Tottenham and a forward wouldn't score a goal that they'd win. No way. I mean, yeah, I think um, they have to follow it up with another win against Monza this weekend to say it's kind of turning them around because they did get the clean sheet against Torino. We know that was more on Torino not being able to score. Terrible. Sure was. Um, which is we're on that you know, later. What would save that lock for you, right? Because we could have been two and eight easily if Torino knew right, how to shoot the right. ball. Um, the winning assignment is certainly encouraging for them. I think it puts them in a favorable position going to London in the next uh, next leg. But in terms of turning the season, I think they have to string together a few more wins to say they've kind of turned it around. Yeah, and okay, Coach, you just kind of got to it. it this is not over by any means. No, no, know, no way. Especially with the fact that the away goals doesn't mean anything anymore. So yeah. uh, I don't I, – I still would not bet against Spurs right now to get through. Um, a one-goal disadvantage is certainly – surmountable especially when you're playing at home yeah. and like you said they have monza they have to go to play monza this weekend any sort of result there that kind of you know goes sideways momentum yeah yeah, yeah. it yeah. becomes it becomes a lot trickier than, than you might expect so i don't know that this is over by by any stretch of the imagination and i think for as much as we want to kind of start hopping on the like tottenham are dead bandwagon i mean there's reasons why it's possible you know the offense struggling is certainly troublesome and the, the midfield injuries are definitely there i wouldn't write them out of this tie just yet i think it's the most interesting tie going forward right it, this, I, is, I this so. is the most intriguing match for the next round for me unless you know Bayern psg too it's only one nothing so that that's 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 a tight one too but looking at the numbers to advance i just pulled it up while we're talking it doesn't start for 20 days this match conte's got three weeks to kind of figure okay. things out and you know figure that midfield out a little bit right Good now boy. spurs is plus 135 to advance and, and milan's minus 185 you know, if I'm taking a shot on something, I'm more than likely going to take a shot on the Tottenham to advance at plus 135 playing at Yeah, home. I mean, you like guys Scott said, you get a one nothing, you go to extra time, and, and you find a way. Or you get a yeah. two, 2 nothing win, you're, you're through. And, and you guys so. nailed it, right? Their, their attacking players could not have played worse yeah. in this match, right? So if you get anything out of them, you get anything out of those guys. And they and score that first goal, we run shit bricks. In Champions yep. League, where the, the home team is down coming into that second leg, and they score that first goal, and then all of a sudden... Like the atmosphere is electric, like the momentum, you can see it changing. You can see the, you know, away team that had this, you know, lead come in. Now everything's level. You have this uh, almost adversarial atmosphere from the fans and they, the players shrink. So something to keep an eye on. I know Milan are, are a little bit more experienced than they were in the Champions League last season, but that was one of the, the faults that we said was that was their first season back in the Champions League in five, six, seven, whatever years. You know, experience is a key part, especially when you get into the knockout round. So yeah. something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Coach, last question. Gun to your head right now, this moment. Start of next season, is Conte still on this team? Gun to my head, I'd say no. Knowing okay. his track record of leaving teams after like two years with more success than this. And uh, the funny thing I'm starting to see a lot in my timeline now that I um, that Mourinho is the Roma's manager is a lot of these like Mourinho, like super fans, right? pointing out that all the flack that Mourinho would get for a very similar record to what Conte has in the league right now and the, how the narrative is a little bit different. It, it's it's interesting to see the dynamic, but knowing uh, I Conte's mean, track it, record, I don't, I don't see it. Is this team fixable? I'm sorry. We're spending so much time on Tottenham, but oh, now I'm like fascinated. <clears throat> is this team fixable? It's certainly fixable. Conte is not the right, he's never been the right person to work with Levy, right? That's the problem is Spurs, the, the, they work with Daniel Levy, who has a, his own way of doing business, let's just say. He's notoriously yeah. been difficult to work with. Conte is the worst, one of like the top three worst managers to put 
with Levy, in my opinion. So I, it was never going to work from the beginning. He's out of contract. I don't see them extending him more than, you know, one or one year, one or two years, right? Because if it continues to get worse, Spurs aren't in the type of club that want to cut their manager, be paying two or three mm-hmm. managers on, you know, on that aren't on staff anymore. So the, the other thing you have to remember, Nick, is the guy that they want to have managing their team is available right now, which is Pochettino. And yeah. Pochettino worked really well with Levy. He brought Spurs up through the development of their new stadium and had to deal with all of the issues that came with, you know, the funds being invested in, in, in infrastructure and not squad development. And I think he's really the perfect man now to kind of come back. They've tried, you know, the other, the grass on the other side of the, the fence, so to speak, and didn't realize it's realized it's not greener. So I could see Pochettino coming back welcomed and, turning this team around because he's inherited a worse squad and, and done more with it. Um, and I, I can totally yeah. see that working. I think what happens with a lot of these big managers, and I'm thinking about Ancelotti because I saw him like linked to Roma again. The other day, one of his assistants is like, oh, his dream's always been to coach Roma because he played there. And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to have like a guy like Ancelotti follow Mourinho in a, another year or two, right? But I think a, the problem with a lot of these guys, and this is where I give Mourinho a little bit of credit at this point with Roma, is that he's kind of embraced some of the youngsters where he hasn't in other parts of his career. Like, a lot of these great managers now, like Guardiola, Ancelotti, uh, Conte, if you want to put him in, he's maybe not in that tier, but he's been a, a winning manager with Juve and, and Inter domestically. Um, even Saudi to an extent, right? They've been given so many toys to work with that when they go to a different situation, like now Saudi at Latte, right? He doesn't have the, the, the toys that he had with Chelsea because they're not spending like that. And Conte now doesn't have kind of the unlimited budget he had with Juve, uh, when they were before the financial difficulties, right? So, still plenty of I, budget, though. There's still plenty of budget. They, they, they just budget. bought 60 terrible. million pounds on yeah, Richarlison yeah, when yeah. he wasn't even a starter. So, they plenty of budget. Right. But I think my, my point is like some of these guys, like to come to a club like a Roma or a Lazio or even a Spurs versus like a United or a club that's really like a Chelsea who's spending, you know, hand over fist right Unlimited now. money. Yeah. Unlimited money. They get in this situation where they can't get every piece they want anymore and it becomes frustrating to them when yeah they're great managers but can they do it with a club that's not ideally built for them and that's what i'm we're kind of seeing now we're going to get into city in a little bit we're kind of seeing them turn it around a bit but like i it almost felt like that a little bit with city this year right like they they don't have the same pieces that pep's used to having for his ideal play style that's not to take away from holland or any of these guys but just they're so used to having tailor-made squads i guess what i'm saying yeah there's there's definitely more of players have to adapt to the manager versus the managers adapting to the talent they have. And yeah. that I agree with you a hundred percent. That's something we've seen over the last 10 years. And it's, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's interesting to see. Um, So let's move on. PSG Bayern. I mean, this shit was a hell of a game. Uh, I don't know how else to put it. It was back and forth. Um, I give PSG a little bit of credit considering they had one of the, the worst starting lineups. They probably, possibly could have put out there um they were able to kind of weather the storm i feel like Bayern could have been up a, a few goals early on didn't happen um psg had a couple chances you know that goal called back i believe um but to, to only go down one nothing I, I thought it was a pretty big accomplishment yeah i'm gonna correct you nick because it, it really wasn't back and forth that first half was all Bayern. it was 100%. iron had i think 12 shots two only two or three of them were on target somehow um, but I, I think I saw somewhere that that was the 
latest it took PSG to record a shot, maybe a shot on target in a Champions League match, because I don't think they had even a shot until like the 40th minute in the first half. So it was an onslaught of Bayern, but it's also one of those halves where if you're watching it as either a fan of Bayern or a neutral, you know that, oh shit, like PSG just weathered that storm pretty well. Yes. Like that's bad news for Bayern because Bayern absolutely should have had at least one, if not two goals in that first half and they couldn't get anything. So you're right, Nick, you know, got to give credit to PSG because once Mbappe came in, completely different setup. Yeah. PSG were the ones on the front foot, constantly countering, getting players behind the back line. Unfortunate not to have a goal. I think Messi had a couple opportunities where he, he gets the ball at the top of the box and it looked he's just trying to do a messy moment where he's just going to yeah. dribble through everybody yeah. instead of just taking the shot from the top of the box. But can't question him. He's messy for a reason. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, we just said that we think Tottenham and, and, and uh, Milan are the most interesting second round tie right now. This PSG tie is interesting. I know we're going to Munich for the second leg, so there's no home you know, home field advantage, but if everybody's healthy, if, if Mbappe gets healthy in the next three weeks before the next round and, um, you know, there's no more injuries on that PSG side, it definitely looks like PSG has what it takes to do some damage and, and certainly get the two goals that's needed to, you know, potentially win the tie. It's just whether or not they can hold out defensively and keep a, a Bayern to, you know, nothing basically. Yeah. And I think, sorry, before you go coach, I think the only reason I said that is because we all believe Tottenham can come back. I, I, believe less so that PSG can come back not because of who PSG is but because I you just don't see Bayern yeah. letting that lead slip away especially when they they were so comfortable on the ball as you said yeah the midfield battle was completely dominated by Bayern yeah no that doubt. was not not unexpected when you looked at the lineups but you know we'll see what the lineups look like in three weeks because you're right Nick I don't think they're going to be close to what they, they were yesterday yeah, yeah I I'm I... Find it hard to live in, like you said, PSG loaded with talent, right? Mbappe, we saw in the World Cup final just how quickly he can turn a, a match on its head. Um, and we saw it a little bit yesterday. I, I actually caught the last like 15, 20 of this one, right when he had scored, and then it was called back for a very, very tight offside um by millimeters. Bar. Millimeters, very close. I thought it was gonna stand at first. Um, but yeah, Byron at home, like Byron's European pedigree. We've seen it year after year where they're like a semifinal team almost all the time, right? His, historically in the last like decade or so. And with that lead, I I favor them. Um, yeah. I, I don't think they give it up. I'm going to double check the two advance lines right now. We have Bayern Munich to advance minus 800, PSG to advance plus 450. That, that's telling. Um, I mean, that's that's I, a big number. Yeah, I'm putting money on it right now because why not? 450 yeah. is a huge number 450 for is one a, goal 450 deficit. is a huge number. You like yeah. just th- sprinkle a little bit on that, right? For because at that point, at a one goal that. that that, that I mean that backs up what I'm saying. Speaks to me right? of a two, right? It does. It, it speaks to it, but I think it also speaks like more to like a two nothing, three nothing first leg at minus eight hundred when you're right. they're not That's playing nuts. like you know um, Bruges or somebody. No offense to Bruges, but um, minus eight hundred is huge. Um, money line in that match is uh, Bayern minus one forty, PSG plus three ten. Um, so Good yeah, numbers. The, books, the books are all over Bayern at this point. Um, I would favor Bayern. But at that number, and we'll get into it in a few weeks, I'm sure. Like okay, PSG is almost worth a bet. So you just said it. I'll take PSG in the game at plus three hundred, plus three twenty, whatever you said, versus to advance because all well, you, yeah, you could get that one nothing, nothing or a two right? one win, right? And right. you go to extra time, and then you could cash. You don't have to and worry about it. Iron could still advance. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's very true. That that's that's a smart way to approach that. That's wild. 
Because then you could even have a one nothing go to penalties and Byron wins the penalties and you still yeah. cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. I will, I will say, say guys, no, I was going to say, before we, I don't know if we're wrapping up on PSG, but the thought that kept coming through my head while watching this game was it must be so frustrating to be a PSG fan because you get all these huge names, these huge talents. They come in, they just don't care. Like yeah. watching the way that Messi and Neymar play for PSG versus the way that they play for their country in the World Cup, that's two months ago. So I, different. I, I'm going to half agree with you there. I Like for me, Messi, he just looks exhausted. Right, I don't. I don't know that it's. Listen, he's what what, about 35, last 36. He had one goal for them last. Right, season. that's what this is our dud of the season. Right, no doubt about it. I think he he literally, at this point, like you said, he's a little bit phoning it in. He's he's accomplished everything he's wanted to accomplish. But he Apparently also a lot of locker exhausted. room drama there too, right? Which probably takes away yeah, from sure. the motivation a bit. I'm sure. Okay. But I, I thought Neymar had a decent game considering how little of the ball he saw. I mean, you mentioned it the first half. I don't think he touched the ball, but he runs pretty tirelessly. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves for that. And he just looked out of options when he had the ball, right? He'd take on two guys, beat them. He's looking up and he's got nobody running with him. He's got nobody to pass the ball to. So he's got to try to make a third move or take a ill-advised shot or something. I mean, I, I think if um, Mbappe plays in that game, if he's fully healthy, if he starts, different game. It was, it was a different game. It's actually interesting. I mean, it, it's the hardest. I think it's the hardest managing position in Europe, right? PSG. Um, but weirdly, it's like what we just discussed with Conte and how bad of a situation he's in with Tottenham. He's almost perfectly suited for a club like PSG, where he's not going to take shit from players, which yeah. is yeah. probably what they need. It might cause issues at first, but it'll eventually get sorted out. And then he can go out and get, have his little wish list to pick out whoever he wants from Europe. So maybe something to keep an eye on. Maybe we see a little Conte out at Tottenham and Conte slide in at PSG. I can think of worse fits. Um, All right, let's move on to today's matches. Wednesday, uh, Chelsea and Dortmund, and we're going to continue with the theme here. Chelsea stink. Uh, Scotty, you've been been leading the charge. I mean, you you and I, I don't want to say we were back and forth, but we were following the progression of Potter for, you know, from when he got appointed. I think it's time to just hit the gavel dude they, they stink yeah they are they're bad it's it's a really tough situation that's looming um you know we we were talking with Sarugi about Everton being on this precipice of disaster because if they get relegated with the squad that they have they have to have to shed everybody that has any sort of talent on the on the team and basically start over from square one in a pretty competitive champions league or you know championship league chelsea's not that far behind i mean they're not going to get relegated but they've just dumped 600 million dollars or whatever pounds on players over the last you know two windows and hire a brand new manager who they are going to back they said that they're going to measure his progress in years which i think you have to do at this point but they are not seeing any sort of results that would give you optimism that this is getting turned around anytime soon and yeah there's plenty of players that they're gonna have to move on i know pulisic is probably going to get moved on zayash was trying to be moved on but didn't quite go through in the, in the january window it's hard for me to see where this gets turned around because, you know, I, I said it when he, when Potter moved over to Chelsea, I think he's just an an English media darling. So he gets kind of a favorable treatment, not too dissimilar how Jesse Marsh gets treated in us media. I don't think Jesse Marsh is that great of a, of a a manager. Um, But the way that he's covered on Peacock and and USA, you would think he's probably like, you know, the prodigal son that's going to bring a U.S. men's national team into world cup uh, glory. 
I just don't see it. And yeah. he's, I wouldn't say he has a hot seat because he's gotten that vote of confidence from ownership that they're going to give him a couple years to build out the squad. But if you don't start seeing results in the next month, the fans are going to turn on you pretty quick. And that's, we've seen it with Chelsea. Like that, that gets contentious really fast. So, I, I mean, what's the, what's the strategy with how they put this team together? I mean, we've talked about how they've overplayed, overpaid for a ton of guys. There's no front. strategy. Um, yeah, just spend, 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 right? I mean, I mean, they have no midfield right now. The midfielders they have are old or they've let people go. Obviously, they've been dealing with injuries on D, but I just, where are the goals coming from? I mean, they hit a couple of posts in this game, crossbar once or twice. Um, they They looked kind of a little bit decent at points in time, but just overall, the results are the results, right? They don't score. Oh. Yeah, they don't score. We talked about it. Their offense has been bad. Like their forwards have been struggling. A lot of the time, their offense is driven by strong attacking play by their wingbacks and Chilwell and, and Reese James. They don't have a true nine. They still don't have a true nine, 600 million pounds later. Um, they're, they're trotting out Kai Havertz. And they're they're starting to run to this issue now where they all the spending has caused two big problems for them. One, their talented young players like Mason Mount are looking to get out because why would you stick around if you're fighting for a squad position now and you know that this team is just going to continuously buy players over and above you? Why are you going to stick around into your prime of your career when you're probably not going to get much playing time? And then two, it's hard to now convince other guys to come in because it's like, dude, you just bought three players for my position last summer and now you're trying to buy me and then somebody else? Like, what does that mean? Like, why am I coming into this project when I'm clearly going to be looked at to replace, be replaced in the next, you know, year or two? if I don't perform to this unbelievably high expectation that's going to be set upon me based off of my 120 million pound price tag, right? Like Enzo Fernandez, however well he plays, it's, he's not going to live up to it. I put that poll out on Twitter as a joke. Like how does he have to play to justify his price tag? And it was like some scale of, you know, you know, Frank Lampard, who's the greatest Chelsea midfielder of all time to, you know, Messi. And people were kind of in between those two, like you're not living up to those expectations. So why bother? I mean, shit, 10 points out of Champions League for next year. Um, very unlikely they turn this tie around based on what we saw. Um, Dortmund are no joke. Coach, you're coach worldwide. You've got a little experience with Dortmund. I mean, good, young, hungry, attacking team, yeah. fast team. And they've uh, turned it around recently. Yeah. yeah. They've been in much better form. Them and Leipzig have started to turn around the Bundesliga now in 2023, which is really like we mentioned a couple episodes ago, turned into a real title race um, after Bayern struggled. It, it, yeah. they, they helped close that gap. Um, they're in it, along with Union, possibly Leipzig, uh, possibly Freiburg. Go, go. The teams are battling for Champions League spots. And, and Dortmund is starting to look like the team we thought they were. Um, yeah. Like the team we, we've seen them be in most seasons. Most of the time, they've been the foil to Bayern when somebody has you know found a way to foil Bayern, um, which is rare. But they usually can keep it close, at least. And... Um, they're starting to look like that. And again, they they are a developmental club that does a really good job of developing talent and then selling it off for pretty good profits, right? And sometimes it, you need a little time when you're kind of ushering in that new group. And it seems like, I guess, now they've got that new group kind of gelled a bit and they they seem dangerous. I mean, the goal that Adiyami scored today uh, was, was really good. 21-year-old player. I mean, those are the yeah. kind of players that they bring through and – and they just know how to win. Again, of course, they had to replace er- Erling Holland this this season, right? So, like, you're finding goals yeah. from other places now. So, I, I think the guy that they bought to replace them, unfortunately, was diagnosed with cancer like yeah. a month, and he's so back now too, back. right? So, yeah. I thought I I thought it was written in the stars that he was going to score today. I had him as one of my yeah. props to 
at first goal scorer for Dortmund specifically because he was like was plus like, what, 300 plus 800 yeah, yeah yeah and so I, I took that and unfortunately um they don't have the the lines up for the the two matches that were played today for the next leg yet um on DraftKings I guess because it's not even like 24 hours since the yeah. match ended but I would I would assume that they're going to be favored even at Stanford Bridge to advance at this point yeah definitely and if I if I could lock that in tomorrow I probably will just knowing what we know I mean obviously a lot can happen in two weeks but yeah, from a Chelsea perspective, it doesn't get much easier. I mean, Southampton might have the new manager bounce this week. You don't know with Jesse Marsh there. I know Scotty was talking about Marsh, but could be that new manager bounce. You never know. And then it's at Spurs, so both two desperate teams. That that yeah. could be interesting on the 26th. Um, and then Leeds, who knows? Maybe they start to turn around a bit. And then it's Dortmund again. So you you got two desperate teams in, in right. Southampton and Leeds trying to avoid relegation with new managers. And then you got Spurs, who's desperate to try to find a way into the Champions League. Imagine how toxic it gets if Potter doesn't get at least two wins out of that. Yeah. Which it yeah. on paper doesn't seem hard, but realistically could. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. Team to watch next three weeks. I like it. Um, And then just to quickly touch on the last game, Benfica and Bruges. Actually, I thought, um, you know, closer game than, than maybe people anticipated. Uh, Benfica did run away with it towards the end. They did have a ton of shots, uh, a lot of chances. So it was a two nothing final couple goals called back. I I think, um, you know, look, Scotty and I were dead wrong about club Bruges in the group stage. They made it out of the group stage. They made it this far. This is probably where the story ends. So credit to them. They look good. They didn't look out of place, but they definitely got outclassed at over 90 minutes. Yeah. I'm glad Benfica is having success. I mean, they did, they got kind of they get picked apart by some of the larger clubs in in Europe and you know look, Liverpool hand up we've done our fair share of of uh, you know scrapping from them but they just keep turning it around with talent and I hope they make a deep run on this because I, I think they're a fun team to root for their their offensive ability and prowess is impressive to say the least so yeah, definitely a fun they, team to watch it's one of those teams they got like eleven guys that are comfortable with the ball at their feet and that that's yeah. pretty rare. It reminds me of an Ajax a bit, right? The Portuguese league and the Dutch league are kind of that same tier, that second tier of Europe, and and they're the the top dogs for the most part in those leagues, and they develop really good talent, and then yeah. it's hard to keep them around because bigger clubs can pay more and have more glory, and, and that's what happens with like an Enzo and players like that. But they they look legit, and one loss I think so far in the season in the Portuguese league, and they got through the group stage I think with four wins and two draws, I'm pretty sure. So. And they're the, they've been the most successful team in Europe. Um, yeah. Napoli, I think, has two losses, and and so it, they're they're right there. It's, those are the kind of teams that maybe fly under the radar a little bit heading into these knockout rounds, but in the form they're in, they could beat anybody. Yeah, and they couldn't ask for a better warm up round, right? They're gonna make it yeah. through this, and yep, you never know what could happen the next round. Yeah, it makes the path a little bit easier for sure. All right, that'll close out the Champions League. We do also want to quickly touch on the heavyweight battle in the Premier League that took place today. It's not written down here, boys, but I'm going to hit you with a surprise buy or sell. Buy or sell, Arsenal's title hopes are crushed. Uh, Not crushed. I'm I'm not going to buy that they're crushed. If they don't get a result against Aston Villa this weekend, that is tough to come back from because you do have, we talked about, they had a pretty comfortable lead as comfortable as it could be against man city. And, you know, now that you're level, although be it with a game in hand, there's a lot more pressure back on, especially when you're missing. Hey, Zeus, who was obviously a huge part of their first half. Um, If you, if you drop points against Villa, because you can't get your heads right after a disappointing result, then that's now you're, you're trying to climb out of a, a, a bit of a hole against city. And that's never a place you want to be in. 
Trust me. Yeah. So we, we've talked about this. On that. We've talked about this over the past couple of episodes where it, for me, this was like the more of a mental match for Arsenal, right? Could they beat city and prove to themselves that, Hey, we belong at the top of the table coach. The one thing that we haven't really seen from Arsenal is they, they haven't given up a lot of goals this year. They've been scoring. No. Um, they've, they've grinded out a couple games when they've needed to with late winners, you know, one, nothing, two ones. They got smoked by City today. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Three goals. Howland got on the score sheet. Um, probably could have been worse. What do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, because even when they lost to our, uh, City in the FA Cup, it was a one nothing loss, right? They were in the yeah. game, and they were in they were in it for the most part today. I didn't get to watch it. I did get to listen to some of it uh, on my commute in the second half, and from what it sounded like, they kind of gifted City two goals. The second one was a bit unlucky because Tomiyasu got a toe on it. That's kind of what put it past Ramsdale. Ramsdale may have made the save without the deflection. And then, you know, they hit him on the counter. City style, you know, team desperate for a goal. They they found a way to just hit him on the counterattack. Um, so they they were in it for the most part, right? But it does set off some, I think, some alarm bells for them to give up three to City because they hadn't lost a match in a while before they lost that FA Cup match. And then all of a sudden they lost to Everton, dropped the two points to Brentford. Uh, on the weekend, which was tough at home too, that was you know that that was at the Emirates. Um, so it's it. I think the fact that it's four straight, three in the league, one in the cup, without a without a win, starts to maybe get in their heads a little bit. I, I'm not writing off their title hopes. Uh, they still have the match in hand. I, I like Scotty said though. I think if they drop points to Villa again on the weekend, then City starts to really smell the blood. I think because the thing with Arsenal. Like, like the commentators are saying today, they're a young team, right? They haven't been here before. That's when the pressure starts to mount when you lose this match. And that's when it was, I think, 1-1 at the time when they were saying this. And City's been there. They've got the the more veteran squad. They've got the squad that's won titles. And if they're neck and neck heading into that match at the Etihad uh, later in the season, you have to favor City. If if uh, Goal differential already favors City. So Arsenal's match in hand, I'm, I'm not sure who it's against off the top of my head. But it's got to be a win, and then you got to you got to play City even the rest of the way, and then hopefully at least get a draw over there. So pressure's on. Uh, Pressure's definitely on. Yeah. Do you trust them to play City even the rest of the year? I don't. Now let me let me say I would love for Arsenal to win the league. I think that's good for the Premier League. I think that's good for neutral fans. Um, I'd love for them to do it, but. Everything you just said hit home. I trust the team that's been there before. I trust the team that added quite possibly the best striker in the world right now. Um, yeah. I, I, for me, this, this was the match, right? You could maybe if you lost one, nothing, or if you scored a couple goals, it, you know, you feel a little bit better. I don't know what they have to feel good about coming out of this game. Yeah. You know, As a neutral who doesn't really have a horse in the premier league race, you know, I kind of just root for players and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of pick a team based on who they have year in and year out because I, you know, I don't have ties like I do with Roma or like Scotty does with Liverpool. I've been rooting for Arsenal all year like you. I I hope they win the league. But yep. I, I think that the pressure could get to them. Now, looking at their schedule, next bunch of matches, away to Villa, away to Leicester, home for Everton again, uh, home for Bournemouth, away to Fulham, home for Palace. That's their next six. Home for Leeds. Okay. Those matches are all winnable matches. Uh, Fulham's the toughest one on the road at Craven Cottage, you know, on paper. But like we saw against Brentford, they could drop points. So I think if they can kind of, you know, beat Villa, beat Leicester, beat Everton, then you're kind of getting on a little bit of a roll. And then you have Bournemouth. If you win four in a row going into Fulham, then you got to be feeling good about yourselves. But um, they will have Europa League in a, in a few weeks. They did avoid the round of 32 because they won their group. So 
at some point they'll have a European fixture mixed in in March. So, you know, things to keep an eye on, but City is the big dog. I think, um, obviously, Arsenal still control their destiny with being level on points and the game in hand, right? So if they went out, they they went out. But it's interesting to see what City do because we talked about before, City are always going to prioritize Champions League right now over the, the Premier League. And their depth this year maybe not as deep as it's been in recent years, especially in the defensive end, although they are getting healthy now. And that's what I, you know, coach put in the group chat today. Do we like a chance of, of Arsenal draw no bet? Cause I think it's plus plus one fifteen today at home. Yeah, I, I took it. Yeah. I thought they and would at least draw at home. I said, you got to look, look at the lineup because if now that Diaz is back, cause we forget city had been trotting out, you know, a, a back line of Nathan Ake and James Akanji and, whoever they can find to fill in at left back because they had to get rid of Cancelo after his blow up against Guardiola in, in January. So it's been a makeshift back line for city by, by any club standards, much less Man city standards. Having DS back in that line helps immensely having Kyle Walker healthy again and his pace on the, and as a right back, that helps a lot. It allows, you know, Mara's more freedom to get forward. He doesn't have to have as much responsibility tracking back. It allows De Bruyne to be a little bit more involved in the attack, and he's had been. You know, I've been taking him as you know assist props for the last four or five games, and he's he's struggled to hit that just because he hasn't been you know able to get as far forward as as he usually is. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see what City do now that they are healthy, if they can stay healthy, and how they how far they can make it in in the Champions League. Because if they make a run to the finals, like guess who's probably not playing a lot of their starters in April when they're probably having a few big matches against, I think even Liverpool potentially in April. All right, boys. So let's, uh, let's write the ship here. Let's get on to the hat trick of picks locks of the week. I feel really, really good. I know you guys do too. I see what you put down here. We talked about it. Let's give the listeners something to back. Yeah. I think the best way to transition, right. Is my first lock of the week. I'm taking Arsenal money line at Aston Villa, because like we said, they need to bounce back. Um, this is a slippery slope that they're on right now. And if they slip up here, it, it really becomes hard to climb back up. Um, the money line, I get it. It's at Aston Villa and they just had a, you know, a tough run of form, but minus 125 is a really good number for this. So I'm all over minus 125 Arsenal money line. I just, I think they figure it out. I don't like Aston Villa that much still. I, I mean, I know they've been doing better, but to me, this is a game for Arsenal to make a statement and say, like, we're not going anywhere. We're going to fight for this. Come out, guns blazing, get a couple goals, and then play out the rest of the game. Yeah, I like it. Scotty beat me to this. We were doing the collaborative doc at the same time. He beat this, you know, pick by like two minutes. And I texted him. I was like, oh, you beat me to it. So I, I, I think Arsenal minus 125 is a great number here. Stupid number. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to stay in the Premier League with my first one. Another one, which I was shocked to see this number. It's Brentford money line at home. Uh, against Crystal Palace, minus 110. They're coming off that massive 1-1 draw at Arsenal, uh, took points off the leaders. Meanwhile, like I said before, Palace was gifted that league goal against Brighton uh, to kill my money line bet. I'm going against Palace again because I think this number is too good to pass up uh, Brentford on at home, minus 110. It's almost even money at home. Yeah, and they're hot, dude. They've been hot. I mean, with the exception of last week, right, that you've, you've ridden them for – I feel like two months now. I mean, we're getting results. So. They're, they're one of the teams I've been doing well on them. You yeah. know, you you find these like teams that are overperforming that the books still kind of undervalue, I guess, like yeah. Brighton, mm-hmm. Brentford, you know, Brighton, they're starting to catch up on now. But Brentford has been one of those teams. Same with Union in, in the, the Bundesliga. I feel like keeps getting pretty good lines for being a second place team. And we talked about Potter earlier in this episode, how he's kind of like this media darling in England. 
Thomas Frank, I think, is does not get as much credit as he deserves for yeah. what he's been doing for yeah. Brentford. And do I, think if, work. I think if it's the, the nationalities were reversed, if Potter was Danish and, and Frank was British, then I think it's very likely that Frank would be, you know, in the Chelsea position right now. Fair enough. All right, coach, I'm, I'm going to need all your, your backing for this one. Cause I'm going to your squad, uh, <laughs> taking Roma team total over one and a half. It's minus minus one twenty. They're playing hell ass Verona. One of the teams that we have faded the most this year. Um, I don't think we need to say more about them. I think Roma, you know, listen, we spoke about Milan a little bit earlier. Adelanta has been playing really well. Inter has kind of solidified themselves into that second, third spot. Roma needs points. And, um, you know, you guys have, have heard me preach it week in and week out. These teams are not reliable enough to win one nothing. It takes two goals to win a match. Uh, and I think Roma is probably the definition of a team like that. So, they need two in this one. Verona has given up goals in three straight games, which is not a surprise in eight of their last 10. Also not a surprise. I think their defense is vulnerable. Roma to get two in this one. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Roma should have scored two against Lecce last week. I said it before they, they scored two against Empoli the week before that. They do have a Thursday match uh, in Salzburg in the Europa league tomorrow. But uh, I think that that's kind of the match you get a little rotation. Maybe Belotti gets a start and he's hungry or maybe Solbach gets a start and he's hungry. So if Roma doesn't score two against Hellas, I will be disappointed as a fan of the team. I would be disappointed on your own behalf. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, also because it would have made my prediction that much closer to reality. But Hey, Ricardo, quote from Jose Mourinho today on Rick Karsdorp, because I was doing the problems for, for uh, CDT before. Him saying, I want to play for Roma. I want to help the team and my teammates is very important. Rick has always been on good terms with the rest of the team. He's well-liked. I'm happy to have him, and he is important for all of us. Some might say we're just getting desperate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because they're they're short on wing back and El Shorey's playing wing back, but yeah. <laughs> Joking uh, aside. Fair enough. Um on to my second lock of the week. We just talked about Chelsea, their struggles that they've been having. I have been all over Chelsea overs or team totals or goal score props since Murdrick, since Felix came back from his suspension again today because I figured it would be an up and down game against Dortmund. That's how Dortmund typically likes to play. They have failed me every single time. So I'm done taking overs on Chelsea. I'm actually going the other way. I'm going under two and a half Chelsea versus Southampton. Southampton have long been one of my teams. I like to bet unders on just because they do not score uh, outside of free kicks from our boy, James Ward-Prowse. So maybe bet him anytime goal scorer. Um, they don't score. So I, I like the combination of these two teams here. I don't think Chelsea are going to put up three goals in this one. I do like Chelsea's defense for the most part, you know, holding Dortmund to one goal is, is respectable. Uh, so I, I think there is, you know, every bit of possibility that they can keep a clean sheet here. So at minus one ten, I think that's a, a really great number. I'll take the Chelsea under or Chelsea Southampton under two. And a half. Stick with me here on this. Like I almost feel like a grinded out, ugly one nothing win does better for this team than if they were to come in and win this game four nothing. I like the thought process, but <laughs> if you don't think a four nothing game where you know Felix has two yeah, assists, okay, a goal, sure, and sure, Murdrick yeah. is running up and down the wings, and whoever else they brought in is, is firing all cylinders, that makes all of a sudden like hey all these players that we just bought that thought maybe might be busts if they all start playing well it kind of reinforces that they did the right thing so i do like the thought process though because that is the mentality you want to have for a team to finally start figuring things out when it's a close game but because chelsea just splashed 600 million pounds on 11 different players i think it'd be 
pretty nice for them to see at least like five of them perform well in this one. Yeah, I think they need goals more that because they they've showed they oh, yeah. can play fairly good defense most of the time. They just don't score. I mean, it's yeah. it's out it's amazing how little they score. I'm feeling a little two nothing sweated out. You know, we got to sweat it a little, but we still got a winner. I'll take the as winner. long as we get the winner. I'm happy okay. with it. Right back. I need it. Um, I'm going back to the Bundesliga again this week. Bundesliga been worldwide. Probably, yeah, for. For being the league of these three that I watch the you know the least uh, out of City on the Premier don't, don't League, say that out it. loud, Coach. You're not you not, watch every match, I, all well, the highlights. You read up on it. You subscribe to ESPN. I didn't. I, I didn't say. I, I do put it on now more than I did you know before we started this podcast. I will say that, but you know I watch City on the most, and and the Premier League is always on. But I do watch a lot of matches, and this is the one that has been the best to me so far. So I'm sticking with it. Um, I think in some ways the books don't get the lines as as right sometimes they do with like the premier league so i'm going rb leipzig money line plus 110 at wolfsburg uh leipzig is coming off the, that tough loss at home to union 2-1 and now finds itself outside the top four in germany so they're in need of a w uh meanwhile after two massive outputs in late january wolfsburg has really struggled in recent weeks i think leipzig needing this match pushes them to victory on the road and at plus money it's it's even better doesn't Wolfsburg stink? Like, don't they give up? Yeah, they, they had that every- six goal match and the five yeah. goal match, and then they they pushed Bayern a little bit. They scored two against, but I think Bayern was like far and away before they got the second one, and it was four okay. one already. Um, and then they've they've just kind of struggled lately. So I think they've actually lost like four of their six since the return to action. There you go. Maybe that's what it is. Because I thought I thought Wolfsburg had a decent start to the season, but I could be wrong. I, I took them they're, after they're they had seventh. Those... They can't be that bad. No, I think no, but they had that eleven goal output in two weeks. I took them the next week over one and a half, and they screwed me. So I'm now, uh, you know, I think they're like the easy overs team of Germany. I think like yeah. the equally bad offense and defense, or equally good offense and defense. Fourth best goal differential in the Bundesliga, Wolfsburg. There's your fun fact. Fair enough. They won two matches by 11-1 aggregate. That kind of helps. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. Boys, we're going back to the well here. Juventus, uh, we have won two. We unbanned Juventus, and we have won two weeks in a row. So we have to go back to them for three weeks in a row. I'm sticking with my bet here, with, with my Roma bet, uh, with Juve. Team total over one and a half. This is minus 130. They're playing Spezia. I think uh, it's a combination of Juve having their preferred forwards now available. So Vlahovic healthy, Chiesa healthy. Di Maria has been balling, um, which is is good to see. Um, kind of like the anti-Messi right now for, for Juve since he's been back. And Spezia's in 17th place, dude. And they have, they're minus 18 on the season. They, they're not consistent. They haven't been good. Juve has been getting out of their funk little by little. They continue it this week, going for three in a row. Can't believe we're we're going back to well with Juve. This is a that would be some rebounds crime against humanity. We got to do it. This is two in a row. And some may say they're due for for a letdown. Hey, and if they guess what, and if they don't score two goals, that means they probably don't win this match. I'm here for that. All right, who did uh who did Spezia have get a red card against um, Empoli? Uh, Empoli was it one of their their key players? Do we know? Um, Let's see if I can pull Esposito, wasn't it? The young kid that they yes, it was uh, the striker, yeah, the, the young striker. It's supposed to, or see yeah. the the midfielder. There's two of them. I get confused with which one's which. Oh no, this is the midfielder. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He's the midfielder. Esposito. The other one's playing in uh, Switzerland, I think. Yeah. Well, that that helps. Yeah. All right. Closing out my hat trick of picks. I'm going back to the well and one that's worked well for me. Oh, pardon the pun. Uh, worked well for me in the last 
few months. It's going to be Napoli first half money line versus Sassuolo. It is plus 105. I don't know how Napoli don't come out and just smoke Sassuolo. Um, it seems like this is a, a matchup made in heaven for Napoli to go and put in three or four goals. So I'll take them on the first half. I think you'll see Osiman or Faradona create something quickly, put, put them on the front foot and then let them cruise from there. So I like 105. It makes, I think they're like minus 210 on the money line. It's oh, it was so, big. Yeah, hold so on. This is uh, this is a, a good way to kind of skirt around that because I don't think this is a game where Sassuolo it was a big like, minus one ninety. Yep. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't think they hold on to like the seventieth minute and then concede. Like this is just one that I think Napoli just run from start to finish. The only thing that could slow Napoli down is if they're looking ahead to the Champions League next weekend and there's like heavy rotation, which I I don't expect. Right. I mean, to go they can rotate. Heavy, they still but... got studs that they can bring in. Like yeah. they bring in Simeone, uh, Raspadori. These guys are going to score goals too. Yeah, I'm okay with that. But Nick, if Raspadori scores, he's gonna put his hands up like "Don't touch me." I score against my ex team, like they all do. I guess like, I don't like know. Vlaovic who, who did, this week? Yeah, wait. Who else did I see? Coleman did that in the Champions. That's who it was Coleman in the Champions uh, League. Yeah. yeah, they all do because he was born in Paris or some shit. I don't even think he played for PSG. <laughs> no, he? he played for PSG. Oh, he was there. Okay. Yeah, yeah that before Juve, he was at PSG. Right? Oh, yeah, that's where they got yeah. him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Guys, tell me if you heard this before. I'm taking Union Berlin. Yeah. But I, I, because of the the size of the line there, I think they're also like minus one ninety. I'm going to go minus one at even money against Schalke. Uh, you need to be coming off a, a tough Thursday night match at Ajax. However, I think they take care of business at home against bottom of the table Schalke. Uh, Schalke's D has been better of late. They've they've gotten three zero zero draws in a row. Oh. Very exciting. Bucking so the bucking the overs trend in the Bundesliga. Um, but Union smoked them six one the first time around, and I think you're looking at at worst to push here. Um, at taking a minus one. I, I can't see Union not winning this match in some way, and hopefully they'll win by two goals. Nick, do you remember when Coach was just all over, like, the Asian lines where he'd be taking, like, Union Berlin minus yeah. 0.75? 0. 0. 0.75, yep. Yeah. Coach I didn't realize it doesn't really do you any good. <laughs> no. No. This this screams like a game where I would have expected Coach to take, like, the minus 0. 0.75. But no, I love this. I love this. We're, we're, I, we're on and being more aggressive, Coach. I I, I respect it. Yeah, listen, we we had a rough – Back-to-back weeks, I never felt more confident in my life. I mean, I put these three picks together, um, pretty feeling pretty good about it. And then when I, I go into the document before we're about to get on and record, and I see Coach Worldwide has gone worldwide, I know we're setting ourselves <laughs> up for a seven-win week at minimum. There's no doubt. It does feel so, good. The vibes feel right. The vibes are good. Vibes are high. Um, Scotty, I should have piggybacked off you, dude, because I'm in the Sassuolo Napoli match as well. Over nine and a half corners. It's a little steep at minus 120, uh, but I think corners are back. Napoli with 10, five, and six in their last three games. Sassuolo with eight, eight, and seven. So this number does not make any sense whatsoever. I think there's going to be potentially six or seven corners by halftime in this one. We should cruise to an easy win. A lot of chances. It doesn't matter who's on the field. And quite frankly, it's been too long since we did a corners bet. So to do the ultimate vibe check, I, I have to leave it up to science. We hit this bet, confirmed. Good vibes. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that that plays pretty well. And as long as we get at least one Napoli goal from one of those corners in the first half, I'm on board. I think we will. And they've been, dude, OC Man is, I mean, assuming he starts, that, that dude is absolutely unreal. I think he might be, potentially the best header of the ball in, in the game right now, or at definitely top five, top three, top five. That dude just doesn't miss. Always yeah. hits the target. It's a luxury. With the, with yeah. the Batman mask on. 
with the Batman mask. <laughs> Gotta love the Batman mask. I, I saw Ooh. somebody put out a tweet. It was like, yo, dude, he broke his nose like three years ago. Why is he still wearing that? And it's like, yo, it's working for him. It, it's like Rip Hamilton. Remember Rip Hamilton? He just yeah. kept wearing it and wearing yeah. it and wearing it. If it works, yeah. it works. Yeah. So. All right. Let's let's get to the pod lock. Let's we gotta acknowledge the the unfortunate we did lose our first pod lock of 2023 last Ugh. week. But the good news is we start our next seven game win streak today. Right. We are going back to an old faithful. We're going back to an under in a Torino game. Yes. Cremonese at Torino to be specific. I'll tell you guys right now, can you tell me which team scores two goals in this match? Can't. Can't do <laughs> it. Either. Cremonese team of, scores of, two of goals. Zero win fame. No, I don't yeah. think they're scoring two. And, and they scored two on Roma in the Coppa Italia now. Settle down. <laughs> Great. They did. That is true. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> that is true. Did they, did they score Napoli too when they beat him in penalties? Was that a 2 2 or was that a 1 1? I think it was 1 1. I one, think one. it was a 1-1. One, one. Yeah. So simple math tells me if neither team scores two goals, then the under two and a half is a virtual lock. At minus 130, that's right in our wheelhouse for the pod lock. So it's all of the the ingredients of a perfect pod lock. And I can't think of anything better to get us back on track than this pick here. So set this one, forget it. It's a Monday game. So whatever happens on the weekend, just know that you still have this one in your back pocket. Whether your things go well and you just like to have that cherry on top, or if you're Bets go a little sideways. You need something to kind of refill that bankroll for next weekend. It's just sitting there. It's a nice security blanket. Yeah. Torino fucking stink. And we've ridden that. I want to say for like four weeks straight. I and love it's been, Torino under. It's been awesome. They can't score. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned it, Cremonese, right? They, they don't have a win this season. So this feels almost too good to be true. I was expecting this line to be at like minus 150, minus 160. Usually. Yeah. So love it. We're going to get back to our winning ways. 13 and four on the season. Still hot. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. Please follow, like, share. Um, please, you know, give us a share or a review. Um, you know, somebody who you think will enjoy the content. If you're interested in Patreon, we are uh, putting written picks out there. We're doing five to 10 props any given weekend. We had Champions League only content. And as the boys mentioned uh, at the top of the episode, we, we did really, really well with those picks. Um, so. Thank you for your support and we'll catch you guys next week. 